All right. Well, thank you all for being here this morning. Um, kind of like I mentioned in our prayer, this um, spring we will be studying the fruits of the Spirit. Um, and so we're doing that by having a panel of folk, different folks from the Otter Creek community each week um, who can share their experiences, their wisdom about these different fruits. Um, so this week is going to be um, self-control. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, this week is the introduction class on fruits. And, um, he said it was about self-control. I was, I was throwing a curveball. I don't get it. <laughs> oh, I got it. Okay. That is one of the fruits. That is, that is one of them. Yeah. But no, this week is our introduction class. And so this morning we have George Goldman, who is a New Testament scholar. And then we have Nate Underwood, who is a gardener and a yeah. brewer who brews a lot with fruit. Um, has close relationships with a bunch of, what do you call someone who owns an orchard? A farmer. They're, so they're still a farmer? Yeah. There's not a different word for... Orcharder? Yeah. An orchardist? Orchardist? Yeah, I know there could be a more technical term, but not like that's commonly used. There's, He's not pretentious. They're, tree farm, not farmer. they're still a farmer. I love it. Fruit, fruit farmer, I guess. Ar arborist... Uh, um, so I figured we would get a good kind of two different perspectives on what it means to be fruitful. Um, so my first question for our panelists is, what is the best fruit you have ever tasted? So, so an example I have is in 2012, I was on a mission trip in Lucy, Jamaica, and Pastor Michael, uh, we were painting a school, as one does in the youth group when you're on a mission trip and pastor michael showed up to the school with a box full of mangoes just fresh off the vine it was peak mango season i mean it was just and i've been chasing that high for the rest of my life like i have never had a mango that was just that perfect just peak season right off the tree um even like when i've been in the caribbean again i haven't been able to replicate that and it, it haunts me so do y'all have any uh fruit Memories. Um, so, is this first question, uh, is you asked my wife, Taylor, I could go on and on about <laughs> <laughs> There are a lot. But, um, so my favorite time of the year, uh, one is when you get that first perfectly fresh ripe tomato right out of the garden. It's been warm by the sun. Oh, just right there in perfection. You bite into it. Oh, it is like, it is like, I just give thanks to God that I taste buds. And it is amazing. <laughs> and the other one is um, when you take a bite of that first bluestone peach in July. And it is juicy. And it's dribbling mm. down. And I usually go out on the deck to even. <laughs> <laughs> slightly cool because I have the peaches and it is so unbelievably refreshing and sweet and tart and so many different flavors and you eat an in-season fruit. I tell people and the reason why you haven't had a better mango is because they're in season, they grow in Jamaica and they're at that perfect 
peak ripeness. And so you had it mm -hmm. where you really can't replicate that same situation because you know trees don't grow here in mm -hmm. uh, Middle Tennessee. But I did enjoy the um, peaches and the tomatoes. And, uh, and you know that first strawberry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm gonna cut you off. <laughs> <laughs> George, you have my a answer now to tomatoes. Okay. I didn't think of them as a fruit. Still, I still think of them as a vegetable. Oh uh, yeah, uh, tomatoes out of the garden. Mm. Yeah. BLTs all. Oh yeah. yeah. July and August for me. Tomato sandwich. But yeah, that's what we do. Before that, I was gonna say a pineapple in Jamaica. Not on a mission trip, but on our honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> not spiritual. Yeah. Could have been a spiritual experience. It was, yes, you know? it was. Yeah. Definitely, you're, you're right. Not to celebrating celebrating your love with your spouse. You know, that's not that spiritual. My comment. Yeah, thank you. Um, so to start off, I kind of want us to watch a quick little video um, from the Bible Project. That's not exactly oh, about fruit. Uh, it's more about trees, but, you know... The Bible mentions the word fruit 119 times in the Old Testament, 67 times in the New Testament. Um, you see it a lot at, um, in the Psalms, in the Proverbs, there are lots of fruit analogies. The prophets also use them a lot. Um, Jesus is often talking about bearing good fruit, and John the Baptist. Paul uses those analogies to some. And the Bible begins with fruit. In Genesis and it ends with fruit in Revelations when the, the tree of life comes back and bearing good fruit again so it seems to be important so we're gonna watch this video to kind of get us started the story of the Bible begins in a garden where God you hear that all right Let's see the night, yeah. The story of the Bible begins in a garden where God and humans live together. And the biblical authors want us to see this garden as a type of temple. The top is the most sacred place, the Holy of Holies, where God's presence is most intense. And that's where we find the tree of life. So, what's this tree all about? Well, it represents God's own life and creative power that is made available to others. In fact, God's first command is that humans eat from all of the trees, including this one. So you're ingesting God's own life. That sounds intense. Yeah, this meal transforms the one who eats it. Or in the words of the story, it leads to eternal life. Okay, but on the way to the tree of life, the humans have to pass by another tree called the tree of knowing good and bad. And God says that eating from this tree will kill you. How does it do that? Well, it represents taking the authority to do what is good in your own eyes. And when humans do that, it leads to broken relationships, violence, and death. And so here's the thing. Both trees look beautiful, but one of them is a false tree of life. And the humans take from this false tree of life. And they're exiled from the garden for good. Which raises the question, can anyone ever get back to the tree of life? Well, later on in the story, we meet a man named Moses, and he encounters God in a desert tree on top of a mountain. 
But you mean the burning bush, where Moses is told that he's standing on holy ground. Yeah, it's a plant on a mountain, radiating with God's life and power, just like the tree of life. And God tells Moses, bring your people up to this mountain so we can form a partnership. And this partnership will force them to make a choice. Will they follow gods of their own making or receive life from the true God? And in this story, they give their allegiance to an idol. And it's just the first of many. The story goes on to show generation after generation choosing gods of their own making. And these idols were usually placed on tall hills like beautiful trees. But they're false trees of life that lead the people into self-destruction, exile, and death. It's like death's grip on us is too strong to resist. Is there any hope? Well, let's turn now to the story of Jesus. He came to announce that God's eternal life was available once again through him. So Jesus thinks of himself as the tree of life. Yes, this is what he meant when he claimed to be the vine that brings God's life into the world. And Jesus invited people to eat from him. Yeah, he was inviting people to trust him and be transformed by his life. But Jesus also exposed how corrupt humans are, how much they love false trees of life. And so Jesus presented people with a new choice between life or death. And this time, they don't just choose death. They also chose to attack the one who sustains all of them. Yes, Jesus is led up to the top of a hill where he dies upon a tree. The cross is the sad and violent result of humanity's desire to do what is good in our own eyes. The tree of life has been overcome by the power of death. Well, it seemed that way. But Jesus said that he was a seed of God's life that would die in the ground, but then grow into a plant that would bear much fruit. So to defeat death, Jesus went through it. And now, this new tree of life stands before us all. We can eat from it, but it will mean passing through death like Jesus, allowing our old way of being human to die. So that a new humanity can grow in its place. Yes, Jesus said, he is the vine, and we are his branches. So not only do you eat from this tree, you're invited to become a part of it, helping produce its fruit so that his life and love can spread through us to others. And so the story of the Bible ends in a new garden, which is also a kind of temple, with the tree of life at its center, providing healing and life forever to all who choose to eat from it. I, I love those videos. They're the the art and the way they portray stuff is just so so cool. Y'all want to come come back up? <laughs> um. So that video kind of answers the second question, which is. What's the deal with fruit? Um, why does the Bible mention it so much? So let's kind of transition into the third question, is what, what do we, living in an industrial society, miss that you know, folks who lived in a, an agrarian society, like the ancient Israelites or the Judeans of Jesus' time, <coughs> would have understood about all of these fruit metaphors that sometimes might kind of go over our heads? So do you, do you grow trees? Uh, I have a couple of fruit trees. 
A couple. <laughs> so, and Jesus says in John's Gospel, I think, that when a seed is buried, I think he says it dies in the ground. Yeah. And then, and that's scientifically, I don't think, exactly right, which yeah. kind of is a reminder to me that this is not a science textbook. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. some people could say, well, that's not true. It doesn't well, really die. But I can see the metaphor, though, of it gets covered oh, yeah. over underground and then. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, back in ancient times, they didn't understand what was going on. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, what their names were for. I think, to me, one of those things that we miss out is the time it takes for it to fruit. For us, like, when we want fruit, we can get apples, oranges, pears on the store shelf. They're there, right at our fingertips, like, all year long. Um, I, I uh, you know, like a tomato, you can add, uh, my last beginning, but we don't eat tomatoes right now, um, because, um, if they do, they're, they're from a can, they're, they're from a can, we either put the tomatoes in our, the can ourselves, or, you know, they're from a can that was off the shelf, and so, to me, um, uh, I, when I planted these pawpaw trees, um, there's two fruits native to the eastern side of the eastern seaboard of this country. Pawpaws, persimmons, and actually a uh, passion fruit, which the passion flower is the big flower of our state. It grows on the vine. But um, those fruits take years to develop. And even to get a little bit of harvest, you know, it's going to take a couple of years. So I have pawpaw trees in the ground right now that are about, you know, two feet high. I'm not going to get out of that. Um, I got my, my first fig last summer, and it was such a joy to see that fig ripen and to take that fig for the very, very first time. It's really cool. So one thing I think we miss out is the the um, instantaneous nature of which in which we can enjoy fruits and how easily we can get it. A lot of times, these trees that in, um, in traditional settings like your great grandfather planted that tree, and like we get to go out there as a kid and say, "Hey, you know, you know, grandmother, and, you know, grandfather planted this tree, you know, back there." Now we get to enjoy the fruits um, of something that they planted or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Or even now out in the country, um, you know, your um, your dad or your grandfather, your uncle knows where the persimmon tree is in the corner you know, on the edge of the farm, and you can go out there every fall and um, gather at the persimmons, or persimmons living in, you know, things like that. So I think it's that sort of, we miss that nature, how special uh, fruit is, and how that fruit comes in its own uh, time, mm-hmm. time and place. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is one thing we miss out yeah. in this uh, modern, mm-hmm. modern, you think can you speak to like working on a tree versus just letting a tree kind of be on its own like how um, that affects fruit yeah so most modern fruit trees are actually grafted so they are the genetics of the top of the tree are actually going to be a different 
between genetics and the body. So I think it's actually a really important metaphor. You can apply in different ways that in order to make a sort of a very, it's also because modern day farming is about efficiency. So we think of like modern day farms as we like we think of it as like an outdoor factory. We put we put in outputs and we get inputs. But in reality, a healthy and sustainable farm is we take care of the soil and the byproduct of taking care of the land and stewardship is a harvest. Um, and so um, laying a tree going actually takes uh, forever. I hear it. I that that. That kind of mentality, like your grandkids are going to be the ones eating, eating that fruit, um, which is really uh, crazy to think about. These uh, fruit trees are are slow growing, and so you go over to Europe, you go to apple orchards in England, and I mean they're centuries old, which I think is so cool, and they're a lot taller too. So these modern day varieties are dwarf trees that are made is easy to pick. Mm -hmm. um, you know when. Um, when Johnny Appleseed, he's throwing apple seeds, you know, like those trees took forever <laughs> to grow. Um, there's actually only one one place in the country that you can buy trees that are from the genetics of Johnny Appleseed's apples, which is really cool that you can still do that. But, um, um, but yeah, part, um, you know, um, most they, you want to put it, I recommend anyone everyone to put some kind of edible landscaping in your yard and then the joy you can get watching that 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 plant grow from season to season and then you're gonna be so proud of that first fruit i promise you it's, it's a joy to do and it teaches so many lessons but uh, starting it from seed um and plus modern if you were to like take an apple seed from like an apple in the store I wouldn't recommend doing that. <laughs> <laughs> it was just that there's a lot of things that have to go on. And, um, yeah, we talk about the death of mm -hmm. um, seeds, and that's a common way that people look at. But it's actually cool. There's actually fruit varieties who have to go through the long winter of cold. Um, they have to have these certain uh, chill hours um, in the tree itself and in the seed in order to sprout. I think that's so cool that this tree that looks dead, that the no life in it at all, has to go through this winter. A certain number of the depths of like of lack of warmth and and, and coldness. But in order to produce fruit, it's got to go through that in the winter. And if it doesn't, it won't produce this good fruit, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Another another yeah. way to extend that metaphor. Yeah. Out. I'm I'm just so many theological like things are going on in yeah. my head. Yeah. Is it is it in Romans or Corinthians when Paul writes about Gentiles being grafted onto yeah, the Romans. root? Is that yeah. in Romans? So you see that same yeah, analogy where on, the yeah. the roots yeah. have a different genetics than the base of the tree, yeah. but it's all one unified tree. Yeah, that's good. Which is a good way of thinking about kind of our relationship with our Jewish brothers mm -hmm. and sisters. And see, what some of the oldest trees in the world are olive trees, mm -hmm. and uh, because it, when you cut, and you know this with like the root of Jesse, the root of Jesse, and Christ is referred to as that the olive tree. Literally, back in in, in the Middle East, they will cut really 
like always like clear cut and olive trees and from that stump a shoot will come out and there's like metaphors in the bible talking about how like like you know christ is this this shoot uh, this is coming out of this stump mm-hmm. that the tree that really looks dead and has been yeah. destroyed but it's actually alive yeah so what, what are some of y'all's favorite fruit stories in the Bible or teachings or parables? Are there any things that you're like, that really resonates with me? Well, my favorite is um, what it's in Luke 5. It's also in Matthew, Sermon on the Mount. But, um, you know, Jesus says, do not judge or you will be judged. Mm-hmm. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And that... <coughs> I think you can make a case that's the most popular saying of Jesus on a sign. It used to be John three sixteen for God so loved the world. <laughs> now it's judge not that you be not judged. And we see it at marches or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and in any context, you know, do not judge me because Jesus says we shouldn't judge. And but uh, right after that is when he says you will know a tree by its fruit. Mm-hmm. And to me that implies so when he says don't judge that doesn't mean you can never know what's right and wrong and you should just let people go it it, it means don't be a hypocritical judge or don't condemn I think that's it, has, it doesn't mean you can't make judgments of some sort so to me that tree analogy right after and my parents used to use it annoyingly and you know my sister and I like they'd be like something about your friends and you'd be like well the Bible says don't judge you know and they say yeah but you can be a fruit inspector <laughs> <laughs> and that, there's truth to that you know mm-hmm. yeah uh, what is the fruit what what does that those choices and that lifestyle lead to naturally um, is important so yeah you can't judge but you can't be a fruit inspector is what my parents used to say mm-hmm. that still works even though I'm trying not to say it I'm trying not to say it to my kids. (laughs) We'll try it. And I I know John the Baptist says this, and maybe Jesus says I'm not sure, but basically a tree that bears bad fruit needs to be cut down and thrown into the fire. Which when you think of that in regards to judgment, it's like, whoa, okay, like, this this is serious. This isn't just, you know, this this is real. What about you, Nate? Are there any stories in Scripture... Um, yeah, I tried to think about that. Um, a few people said out that uh, Revelation 22, mm-hmm. and uh, one thing that uh, other other versions said, it bears fruit every month, or there's a fruit for every month. Mm-hmm. And I just got, I just gone on and on about this seasonality fruit, and how like there is this time of winter and death and, and coldness, um, and, and literally lack of light. Um, and I think that's so beautiful that God is saying, like, like you know, hey, there's something in season every month that mm-hmm. is, like, for life. And, like, knowing that idea, because, because so much of fruit eating for me is that anticipation of that season, waiting for whatever that season is I've come to bear. And I think that's really cool that God is saying, hey, I provide for you this life. Um, all times, like there is no more, you know. I, I you know, he's the light that provides that sustenance for us. Um, but and then also, um, sort of that metaphor that it's that, that running metaphor that the Bible that to me, like fruit and seeds 
go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. The whole purpose of the fruit is the seed. Mm -hmm. Like, the, like they are one and the same. The whole, the whole idea of the fruit is that that, that seed will one day be planted and become a new plant, so it can pass on to the next gen, next gen, the next generation. Mm -hmm. And there's this idea that um, there's this idea of um, storing up treasures in heaven. That there's things that we do today that will live into the the new world and the new heavens. Um, mm -hmm. That I think is really cool. That um, what I do now in January will affect my growing season in July and August. And I think that's really really cool. The whole idea to plant a seed. There's a famous quote if you're a gardener. There's like a quote on you know. Um, the kitchen towels and all that, but to guardian is to believe the future. And I think that uh, as a Christian, to be a, mm -hmm. to subscribe, to be in love with Jesus and to subscribe to the ways of Christ is to believe in the future. We believe, we believe mm -hmm. the future is like this whole restoration movement and we work toward that. And in some mysterious way, what we do now is a part of that and what I think that's a gorgeous metaphor as a garden, as I, as I compost, as I mulch, as I put a seed into the ground with sins like that, that someday that will live on, that will bring about life in some mysterious way. That God is working that out mm -hmm. um, for the advancement of the kingdom of heaven. So, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Um, so let's let's narrow it down a little bit to Galatians five twenty two, um, and kind of this specific fruit metaphor that we'll be sitting in for the next you know three or four months of this class. Um, I was wondering if y'all could just share a little bit on the context of Galatians, kind of what's going on behind the scenes, and what's some stuff we could kind of what's Paul doing in this passage, and I'll I'll pull it up so we can all. Um, read it. Yeah, so there's Revelations 22 as Nate. Um, the tree of life bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So it's just this, this beautiful image of the New heavens. One thing I thought was really cool in the video is saying like, so there's this tree of life in the garden, and that we all become trees connected to that tree of life. Mm -hmm. um, out in I don't know but I'm not acting up. But out west, um, their whole colony of trees, and they all live off each other, all connected by. Roots and it usually mm -hmm. is sort of like a parent tree and it's all connected. So redwoods are the one of the biggest living things you know, on the earth. And the only reason they get so big because they grow together. Mm -hmm. And it's really beautiful kind of that connection of sound. So I thought that was a cool. Yeah. Mr. Let's yeah, the context is he's contrasting the works of the flesh. It's interesting he doesn't say the fruit of the flesh. He says the works of the flesh, I think is what 
languages, and then um, the deeds of the flesh, yeah, are evident. And then you have the fruit of the spirit. And um, my dad was a preacher and a stickler on details. And he did not let us say fruits of the spirit. I think he had a sermon on it. And for some reason, he made a point that it's the fruit singular <laughs> of the spirit, which is very precise. And as I, as I reflect on it now, I don't know what his overall point was, but I don't think it's a good point. But because fruit is a collective noun. It is singular in the Greek. I looked it up yesterday. Um, fruit. Technically, it is singular, but it's the word fruit isn't singular. It's a collective. It's more like fish or something. Like it can be, can be singular in some context, but it's a collective noun. So it doesn't make sense to say it's the fruit singular of the spirit. Maybe you guys can help with that point. But to me, it's just, no, that's not the big point. Maybe there is some point to say it from that, but I don't know what it is. But um, so the fruit of the Spirit, uh, a lot of connections here, but um, to me it's just how natural, these are natural consequences of having the Spirit. It's, it's I like the, the fruit metaphor because it's a natural, it's saying that if you follow the Spirit and let the Spirit, you know, walk in step with the Spirit, he says, mm -hmm. uh, let the Spirit influence you, you that's going to have consequences. They're naturally going to come. There's consequences of following, the doing the flesh thing, and there's consequences. So punishment in the Bible, I, I like to use the term consequences, not punishment. Um, it's not like, it's not like God arbitrarily punishes certain things. It's not like the, the works of the flesh he drew out of a hat and said, okay, well, that adultery is now wrong. It could have been good, but now it's bad. <laughs> it's, it's not arbitrary. It's, it's that adultery is bad for you. You know, mm -hmm. the things that are sins are because they're bad for you. So the fruit of the Spirit are things that are naturally going to occur if you cultivate the Spirit. I, I was also struck by that 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 there's two different images that he uh, set apart. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a good point. And he said like, you know, the works uh, I I didn't catch that, but the works of the flesh as opposed to the roots. Um and, and I would just re reiterate that um, you know, in uh, in sinful farming, like a harvest is a natural byproduct. The goal of the farmer is not um, the crop, it's the health of the soil and the health of the land. So you know, the hunger takes care of the soil, uh, which, in, which, in, which is in and of itself a living thing. Um, that then, by taking care of that, that uh, you get this amazing harvest that then sustains life. Mm -hmm. And then um, I think the idea, I think it's cool that he calls it fruit, because all those things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, they, all those are contagious. When they plant seeds of life and love, um, then those things uh, come from us. And that the idea that fruit is the way in which that plant spreads and grows and um, goes on to the next generation. And so I think all of those things are ways that can then 
spread wide. Because yeah. essentially what for is the vehicle which is how wide they spread for that point. Something mm -hmm. kind of interesting thing. Yeah. And it's not, you know, I think a lot of at least the way I understood this growing up is well you need to be joyful. You need to be peaceful. You need to be kind. You need to be gentle. Um, and maybe that's not the best way of looking at it. Maybe it is that if you follow the Spirit, that these fruits are the natural byproduct. These will, if you kind of take care of the soil, if you ground yourself in prayer and Scripture and loving God and loving others and these kind of basic disciplines, that these fruits will just naturally spring from you. It, it's not something you have to intentionally, consciously focus on, um, but maybe it's the natural byproduct, um, which is an interesting way of looking at it, right? It's less that these are spiritual disciplines, but spiritual disciplines are what lead to these. Yeah. Definitely. Is. And I, I love, too, how Randy Harris, who talked a long time about Abilene, maybe he's retired now, but <coughs> he called these the thuddingly unspectacular gifts of the spirit <laughs> because we think you know when you think about charismatic and being having the spirit it can be like you know what is the fruit of the spirit you ask some people that and they're like well it's speaking in tongues or miracles or mm -hmm. something you know that's very obvious and huge but this list here is thuddingly unspectacular <laughs> you know gentleness <laughs> yeah it's, so I think that's a, a necessary corrective to the idea that if you have the spirit, it's going to be very obvious and showy in some ways. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think it's cool that um, one of the ways that you know, um, it's like it's for um, you know, uh, it's uh, you know, it's going to sound cheesy. You know, looking for uh, God and coming special places, or like seeing Christ, um, you know, in, out and on this. You know, not in church, not in scripture, but how these are markers. Like whenever I watch a show or video, I hear a story, and I hear stories that reflect these things. I'm like, okay, there's life in there. There's life in there. Like God and Christ is in there. Like the kingdom of heaven is some way present in some mysterious way, even though they have nothing to do with the with like you know with the word Christ or Jesus or church or God or whatever it is. And so when I, I see things about love or see things about joy or joy and peace, I'm like, okay, I know the God is somehow present in that. And I need to take that posture of learning and witnessing. Um, so I think those are core markers, whether it's in you know, a movie or a story or something like that. I think when I see those, I know and sense that, or I, I can reflect and know that God is in that in some way. Yeah. Well, thank you all so much um, for having this conversation with us. We have uh, four minutes until class is over. If there's any questions you all have for our panelists, and is it is it possible that we're looking at the where your focus is, like? I just wonder when it says the, the deeds of the flesh versus the fruit of the spirit. Like if your focus is on the body, you're going to deal with the immorality, the adultery. You're going to deal with that. If that's where your focus is, if that's where your your work is, if that's what you're trying to improve, if that's what you're trying to 
you know, make whatever versus putting the work in towards the spirit, like mm -hmm. putting that focus on the spirit, is that what you're going to cultivate? Like, is that kind of what we're, we're looking at the two with? I think it's a little tricky because, I mean, he is making a difference between flesh and spirit, but it's not, flesh doesn't just mean body, because you need a body to do the spiritual things as well. Um, so it's, you know, and I know a lot of times uh, we tend to separate body and spirit. So I want to try to keep them together in some mm -hmm. ways. But does he mean by being the flesh, pursuing things of earth instead of, of the kingdom? Does he mean pursuing money, pursuing these because he's, it's not sounding good. Yeah, and he's flesh, flesh doesn't just mean your literal flesh no, or body. It, it has something with some negative. It's not just materialism or. Yeah, I don't know that the contrast is this physical and the other is non-physical. I think they're somehow they both have to be physical. So I don't, I don't even know how what I'm saying. <laughs> and, and I mean, fruit is physical too. Like yeah. fruit is yeah. of the earth, so yeah. it's maybe it's like the way of. To me, I think that as the way of decay, almost. Mm -hmm. Yes, like we, we pursue the things that do not apply to God mm -hmm. is the, the true life. So anything that that is not life giving is inherently bad, because like if you pursue the things that are of decay and death and. Um, these nosebleeds. That's how I would look at it. It's, our, it's still very physical. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, thank y'all. Next week, you'll be learning about agape um, with Rhonda Lowry, John Lee, and Jenny Cagle. Um, so y'all come back. Tell your friends to come if you enjoyed, and uh, see y'all next week. Not that we'll expect it. <laughs> 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 your friends.